Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Extending research-based advocacy to all Nigerians forms a critical part of the NESG mandate. NESG mandate. At different times, the NESG conducts research-based advocacy by employing public education and community mobilization strategies. The diversification of this economy is very, very important. Research-based advocacy allows for social voice, prioritization, and bringing different actors together for dialogue to a sustainable and inclusive development in our country. In our country. Welcome to NESG Radio. You're welcome to the second panel session, and I'll be your anchor in this session. As Elia introduced, my name is Bola Adifila, the CEO for Banri Tools Nigeria Limited, where we manufacture tissue papers. So we've got with us today um, people who have distinguished themselves in their various fields of endeavors. And they'll be talking and walking us through the different challenges um, in the light manufacturing industry. So in no particular order, I'll start off with Mr. Afam Malison Ima Ukatsu. He is the executive chairman and the founder of Malison and Partners Limited. He is also the managing director of Nispo Perceline Company Limited, the first indigenous tile manufacturing company in Nigeria. You're welcome, Mr. Afam. Also joining us on this panel is Mr. Olukayode Piton, the managing director of Bank of Industry, who is unavailable at the moment, but ably represented by Mr. Leonard Kange, general manager, Large Enterprise. And last but not the least is Mr. Femi Awofala, lead partner Brickstone Africa and facilitator of Manufacturing and Mining Policy Commission, NESG. You're all very welcome. Welcome, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
So we therefore, as, um, as a people, as a country, need manufacturing to be competitive by soliciting the help of key um, sector players, the policymakers, the regulators, and the captains of the industry to help us change the narratives, particularly with the enactment of AFTA. Um, so the question for us today is, where are we now? And where do we hope to be in another decade? So I'd like to open the discussion, first of all, with um, Mr. Afam. So my question to you are in three folds. Um, first, can you share with us what your challenges are? And secondly, what do you think the government can do better? And lastly, how you've been making a success from your business? Really, we have faced a lot of challenges in manufacturing, basically because we are not ready for what come over us. The pandemic has been a strong issue all over the world. In the industry we are into, we are facing a lot of challenges. The human capital is a big problem in Nigeria. Then people not take ownership of the businesses is another factor that we have been fighting over years. Then the infrastructures that is not in place, the bad roads, and also backward integrations. We are unable to take our goods from our mining sites each time that uh, we have issues with our trucks. Then um, the, one of the highest problems we face on daily basis is on seriousness of personnel. So we really don't know where and how we can manage this backwards. We try as much as possible to go into leasing of our equipment to some miners to mine for us and we take delivery. But still it's not working out, but we cannot say that we are out of business even with all the challenges because we are up to it. We can't go out with these challenges we have faced over years. So what we do and we are still on it is to put training in in place to keep training our personnel and see how they can get better. We are still talking, how can we get a reduction on, on gas prices? In our own industry, cost of our production is almost 50% in terms of cost of energy. So how do we be able to compete if we are taking 50% of our cost on gas? We have applied all over the places. We ask federal government to do something on cost of gas, which is the main cost of our own production. Then in other areas we have been looking out for is where the Chinese companies or Indian companies are in Nigeria also. And the funding they are getting is far cheaper than what we have in Nigeria. So in every business we do here, we need funding to, um, to enable us funding, I don't, it means that we need a good rate to enable us have access to our equipment, buy new raw materials, also buy machineries to uh, equip more. We don't have issues in selling our product, but we still have big issues in um, getting the, the output we expected. So it's a big problem still that supply chain and poor access to funding 
is one of the key problems we are facing in Nigeria. Thank you very much. I cannot agree less with you. Being a manufacturer myself, I totally can relate with what you're saying. And, um, you know, poor funding, uh, infrastructure, logistic issue, work ethics. I can really, really relate with what um, you've just mentioned. So my, my next question will be to uh, Mr. Leonard Kange. Like Mr. Afam rightly emphasized on funding, 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 funding. How can the banking sector provide sufficient, appropriately priced, sustainable financing to the manufacturing sector? Now, bearing in mind that the, we have a peculiar challenge with FX shortage and FX fluctuation. So Mr. Kange, over to you. What you have mentioned is a key challenge that the manufacturing sector, indeed, not just the manufacturing sector, but generally industry faces in Nigeria today. Funding is a major issue. Um, how can the sector get the funding that it needs? Well, it needs for the key players in the financial sectors to play their part. We have the banking sector, which is consists, uh, consists of the uh, deposit money banks, and we have the development banks as well. Uh, there's the capital markets as well and all of that. But the key thing is being able to access funding in adequate sums, uh, appropriately priced, as well as proper tenors that will support the kind of business that manufacturing does. And that is where Bank of Industry uh, comes in. As you know, the Bank of Industry is the implementing agency for the federal government's policy with respect to industry. Now, what we have done as Bank of Industry is to provide low cost financing for a medium to long term for our manufacturing customers, most of whom I, I see here on this, uh, uh, this, uh, this, this session. And how are we able to do that? It's, it, it, part of it is where the funding comes from. What are the sources of funds that we're able to deploy? First one is we get funding from our own uh, owners, the federal, the, uh, the federal government through the Central Bank of Nigeria, as well as the uh, Ministry of Finance. Minister of Finance. Uh, there are so many intervention funds that we manage. These intervention funds are available for a longer period, sometimes up to nine years. Uh, interest rates uh, range from 9% to 5%. And with that kind of funding, manufacturing is able to be supported. Because if you look at the average uh, situation in the country today, uh, interest rates are in the regions of about uh, 17, 18, sometimes up to 20, 21%. And even when you find it, what is the tenor that you are able to get? Sometimes two years, 
uh, I think about 54% of the average deposit uh, uh, loans of uh, the banking sector today is in uh, less than one year loans because Nigeria is mostly a trading environment. And so that is where most of the money has gone. Now you take a manufacturing, a typical manufacturing uh, company that needs to maybe buy new equipment or set up a new production line and they require funding to do that. If you take the loan at 18, 20, 21% for a two to three year period, that project is dead on arrival. It will not happen, you know? And that is why the, the value that Bank of Industry brings is very unique because with our loans at sometimes 9% interest rates in single digits, it becomes possible to, possible for that project to, to, to proceed. And so these are some of the things that, the ways that the Bank of Industry is supporting the manufacturing sector. Now, over the last, uh, uh, between 2015 and now, the bank has disbursed over 900 billion Naira to support the, uh, manufacturing, the manufacturing sector. Is this enough? No, it is not. Because an estimate of what the funding gap is, uh, I think it was IFC that did a study, and it shows that the funding gap is about $158 billion. That's about $60 trillion, thereabouts, depending on whatever exchange rate you use. Now, if you look at the banking sector itself, the total assets of the banking sector is about 47 trillion. So there's a huge gap. And therefore, what the bank has done is, in addition to the funding that is provided by our owners, we have also gone outside to go and raise funding. In the last three years, the bank has raised close to $3 billion. In, in, in funding from international sources. We've brought that money back in, we swapped it into Naira, and therefore we're able to make loans at competitive rates, single digit loans, because the funding that we raised is in dollar and euro. And these are priced at very low rates when you look at it, especially now with the COVID-19 and the challenges. So this has enabled the bank to deploy these funds to the manufacturing sector. COVID-19 has had a major impact on industry. As a matter of fact, it has set back our manufacturing industry several years. The progress that has been made in, the prior, in, the, in prior years has been almost erased, you know? And this is why there's a call, an urgency for, for us to do what we're doing and to see how we can get other partners within the financial sector to also join in doing this. So what we have done is to work with the deposit money banks. We have the long-term financing that is required. We have it at the pricing that will support manufacturing. So we partner with the deposit money banks because most of the manufacturing companies, they're not our customers. They are, they are customers of the deposit money banks, but they are not in a position to provide the funding in the required pricing and tenor that they need. So we partner with them and they provide credit enhancements to Bank of Industry and therefore working together, we're able to support the manufacturing sector.
So that is what uh, we're able to do. And that is how we're able to provide uh, sustainable financing. Now, there's another part to it as well. It's not just financing that the uh, manufacturing sector requires. There is capacity building that is also very key. And that's another area that the Bank of Industry is focusing on. I'm using the, an example of the Bank of Industry because I, there are, these are the different points that need to be addressed, but I'm just showing you what has been done and what is possible so that anybody who wishes to follow that example, they can also look at it in that light. So there's the area of capacity building, because as you know, particularly at the, the mid SME level, et cetera, even large corporations, when you grow and become bigger, your business model has to change. Now, as an SME, you have, uh, you are the, the, the promoter is the chief marketing officer, he's the lawyer, he's the accountant, he's all of those things. But when you grow and start becoming more successful, your business model has to change. And therefore, what the bank does is we have business consultants, experienced industry experts, some of them ex-bankers as well. Over 200 of them spread over the country. They sit down with all these our custom, most of our customers and they handhold them. Corporate governance, financial literacy, how to manage uh, taxes and uh, inventory and all of those things, access to markets and all of that. And we, the Bank of Industry, pays them for those services in order to make it easier for the manufacturing sector. So these are some of the things that the bank is doing. And these are the ways that you can provide sustainable financing to the manufacturing sector. But what is it enough? No, it's not. So we need more partners to work with us in order to be able to achieve this goal. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Kange. Um, I'll have to um, do a little bit of harassment <laughs> with you on, on some issues that you um, raised. raised um, fantastic, fantastic presentation. I'm a beneficiary of um, Bank of Industry. I've been, I've been with Bank of Industry for over five years on my business, and I've seen the improvement. Though not without its challenges and not without one or two issues that I have with the organization or with the bank. And I'll come back to you on that. Um, talking about the single digits, talking about the timing, timing. I'm going to come back to you on timing of response. You know, most of the time when the entrepreneur comes to you or the manufacturer comes to you, he has no time. And you and the, the, the bank is such is structured in such a way that it has a lot of bureaucracies. And you can you can apply for apply for loans, and it's taking almost a whole year, um, eighteen months before you get a response or before you get approval. Um, yes, we hear about single digits, but when we come, by the time you're telling us about um, legal fee, um, this fee, management fee, it, the single digit becomes double digits, right? So I'm going to come back to you on that aspect. So I'm going to go now to Femi, our father. Um, Femi, you know, for me, I've always had an issue with the enactment of AFTA for obvious reasons. Like Mr. Atham readily um, mentioned as well in his um, presentation, the problem of the manufacturer in Nigeria 
is not really sales. Sales is not our problem. We've got the market. We've got, we, we can sell our products. Our problem is production. How do I get enough um, raw materials? How do I source for funding um, FX? Now we know that FX is the general issue in, in Nigeria. So for me, my, my, my question to you will be, how will the enactment of AFTA affect Nigeria manufacturers? And what can be done to make us competitive? And how can we increase our production base? Because our problem really is a production problem, not a sales problem. Over to you, Femi. Um, one key thing um, you've mentioned is the fact that um, the African Continental Free Trade Area, um, which was ratified in, in November 2020, um, basically establishes a single market for goods and services across um, 45 countries in Africa, allowing for free movement of, of, of business travelers, investment, um, and also a unified custom union to streamline trade in the continent. Um, I think one of the biggest rationale um, for AFTA uh, in happening is because um, Africa has always tried to export um, its commodities, uh, out of Africa into European markets or Asian markets. And uh, it was a clear, uh, it was a, there was a clear gap in the fact that um, if we export within the African region, um, that would incentivize us to do our roads. So you can have a, a Lagos to, to Calabar or sorry, a Lagos to Bini or a Lagos to Accra road network that allows trade, you know, to happen, you know, much more. You have more connecting air flights um, because people can now start having cargo airports and moving things around the African continent. But that being said, um, coming to Nigeria, um, and, and also um, it was also estimated that you know the the quantum of trade that can happen within African countries, um, say for example Lagos, um, Nigeria, South Africa, Nigeria, Kenya, is is huge and. Um, it will also help our currencies because we don't have to be dependent on the dollar in itself. So there's so much advantages um, towards that. But I hear you um, regarding the Nigerian manufacturer um, in light of um, the after in itself. Um, basically, um, definitely there's a, there's a gap in the market in terms of supplies. Um, there's demand because Nigeria itself... Um, is a demand base because our population, we have young people and we have the consumers to actually consume, you know, this manufactured product. But uh, if it's consumer product or industrial product, we have the consumption base. Um, after we only just bring to us um, more reason for us to take advantage of the opportunity to export to other African markets, number one, it could also bring to us competitiveness um, in terms of, yes, other goods and services will come into the country. Um, so far, you know, they have the right quality standards or quality, uh, quality levels in itself. And that competitiveness um, may also create the kind of competitive tension a number of manufacturers may need to basically allow them to compete favorably. Now, um, one of the key drivers uh, for you to keep producing, right, is raw materials. So starting from raw material in itself, um, there is 
strong emphasis on backward integration, which has been mentioned by uh, Dr. Mansour at the beginning and also mentioned by the Honorable Minister in itself. And that is the first spaces we will start from to make manufacturers happen, um, to make manufacturing production happen. Um, we all know the, the current pressures on FX in itself, and we can't keep importing raw materials. Now, I must also say that not all industries can have locally sourced raw materials. Some industries, some uh, systems or technologies or equipment are already configured for imported raw materials. So those configurations will have to find ways to see if they can still secure locally or even become the local supplier and move up the value chain um, themselves if they see this as a viable industry in itself. Um, I will also mention one thing around governments uh, mentioned about building um, um, enterprise centers. Um, my view is that, yes, that's a good, good thing, but I remember we've had a number of, uh, um, we've tried this before in so many regimes in itself. And one of the reasons why it has not worked um, is because the, the shared infrastructure for transportation was missing. So, for example, you locate an enterprise center or a free trade zone right in the middle of a landlocked location like Benway, you know, so a waterlocked location like a Benway or, or let's pick a, a, a Jigawa or something, uh, whereby you don't have access beyond road transportation to moving goods and services out of the space. Um, so you can have a lot of um, industries produce leather and textile, but they want to try and move it down to Lagos, Nigeria, or, or move it down to Calabar, or even go up north to Kano, they have to go by road. Uh, so one of the things we as a thematic group and also a policy commission is looking at is, is having shared infrastructure, especially the mobility aspect, you know, whereby not just by road, but having things like, you know, cargo airports, having things like normal, you know, inland ports, um, no matter how small they are, um, even inland waterways. I remember there was a time where we needed to dredge the Niger River, whereby you could actually, you know, uh, ferry or carry goods and services up to the middle belt um, through the Lokoja or the Niger River. But I don't think that project has been done. So my own view is free trade zones, enterprise zones, um, we have had a number of them from Calabar free trade zones. The port is not yet dredged to the level. On every free trade zone, yes, it's doing well, but it's focused on oil and gas. Um, Tinapa, Lokoja, Olokola, and a number of them. One of, the, one of their key um, limitations is the fact that, yes, they want to produce the light industrial because they are actually the, the they were actually purposely set up you know, to address this light industrial um, um, industries. But however, it has been a challenge because yes, you can relocate your plants to that to that area. Yes, you, you might have low taxes and things. But however, you are getting your raw materials from a Lagos port. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. 
From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And you are going to truck it down to this free trade zone or enterprise zone. Um, you are going to produce your goods and services. You have to truck it again through customs and all these other people harassing you on the way back to your customers. So there needs to be a coordinated effort on what we call shared infrastructure, whereby um, the Federal Ministry of Trade and Investment reciting uh, an enterprise zone, that zone, the, the first criteria was mobility. How do you move goods and services in? Um, I know a number of state governments that have looked at issues of um, cargo airports and, 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 and agro cargo airport. And I think it's a lovely idea because what that does for you is if you are doing a light manufacturing type organization and you need to bring in raw materials, you can bring it by cargo. You don't have to go to the port. Um, there are big cargo planes now that can carry you know, chemicals, that can carry lots of other um, uh, raw materials, especially in the food in the food business or also in, in the paper business too. And you bring it in and your free trade zone or your enterprise zone is right within that location. You produce what you need to produce. Um, you get your staff in and everything and you ship it out again. Um, there's, there have been so much of lip service regarding um, yeah, port, that is, that is seaport itself. Um, apart from the um, Lagos port and, I mean, the Onair port, um, there are really no other functional um, uh, existing port that, uh, that, that manufacturers can depend on for raw material. So that has been the number one um, um, requirement. So there needs to be a strategy whereby raw material, sorry, whereby um, there's good to be a level of shared infrastructure. Now, there are some existing ports that are planned in itself. It's important for, for the government to, to look at a kind of a partnership whereby they can hasten the port development. And with these, you can have in and out of services. The second thing is human capital. Yes, production is key. Yeah, you can get all the financing you need, but you need the right people who can actually operate the equipment. Um, time and time again, we find... Chinese companies or Indian companies come to Nigeria. Yes, they have the expertise and things, but lenders are always more willing, you know, to lend these people, not because of anything, but because 
they, they see their their rigor and their resilience toward their operations in terms of um, what you call um, daily operations and operations regarding the, the, the processes, logistics and things. And there needs to be a, a, a kind of skill um, advancement, especially in the logistics aspect, in production, warehousing, whereby you can actually hire the right people um, to manage this. Because at the end of the day, you can receive all the financing you need, but if you are being managed by the wrong set of people, um, you are just putting your money in the drain. The third aspect of things, which I will also mention, is not necessarily access to finance, but for the country to have what you call ecosystems. So in developing the light manufacturing industries, there needs to be an ecosystem approach. For example, oil palm. If you pick oil palm as a value chain and, and an ecosystem, there are, there's, there's a group of people responsible for the upstream, which is planting the oil palm itself, right? Moving down the downstream, there are other groups of people responsible for using this oil palm to produce soap, vegetable oil, palm oil, and other you know, uh, uh, products in itself. Now, what we have is that, you know, we are all working in silos, whereby the, the raw material guy is under the Ministry of Agriculture and he's doing his own thing. Um, the guy doing the processing is processing and is doing approval with NAFDAQ and is interfacing the Ministry of Trade and Investment and is doing his thing. However, I see a situation whereby there needs to be a holistic um, capacity around ecosystem. Let's take another ecosystem like the paper industry whereby you have your normal paper coming from cotton or pulp. Uh, you have other chemicals you use into it. Some people are using that paper to do normal stationaries and books and exercise books. Other people are using the paper to do um, 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 tissue or, or rolls and things. Now, some industries are so intensive on the downstream, whereby they are using the raw material of the upstream, but Time and time again, it has it's, it's now seen that, oh, you know what? These guys are, there are about 200 players in this downstream. There are very few players in the offstream, even if, it's, if it is almost zero. There's clearly, there's clearly a need for us to invest more in the upstream aspect. So, so for example, like a recycling plant. Yeah, you know, even though it's a private sector-led initiative, but however, to grow that paper value chain, you need to now intensify effort on the upstream. I pick another, which is aluminum smelting, right? You have your normal roofing sheets, your normal um, aluminum, and, and all these are gotten from a smelter plant, you know, through bauxite and things. There are times where that smelter plant or bauxite uh, uh, raw material is being driven by the Ministry of Mines and Steel. However, um, the Ministry of Trade and Investment wants aluminum to happen, right? It wants roofing sheets to happen and things. But when he looks at his statistics, he sees that almost all the 1,000 aluminum roofing sheet guys, they bring in coils abroad. So when you see these gaps, right, it's not just okay for us to provide that, okay, the private sector should go do it. Yes, but we now need to run financing programs, investment programs. You know what? We need to improve our upstream activities in the aluminum space because we can see that these guys in the light manufacturing are ready to take up these aluminum coils and run with it. So there needs to be that synergy in terms of working as ecosystems, right? 
it's it, it's 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 one of the greatest things that that helped you know the likes of Morocco, as as Mr. Oji mentioned, is the fact that um, there's data, and, and that's the fourth thing, uh, which is basically getting the right data in the manufacturing space. Um, I know the UNDP or so UNIDO has a data program in Africa. I don't know how much involvement that has done, but we need to generate our own ingrown data room that provides you know. Um, market entry intelligence for, for investors. So, for example, I mentioned the aluminium space. Uh, you know, there should be a website that tells you that, you know what, there are over 6,000 or 8,000 aluminium rolling companies in Nigeria that need aluminium rolls, aluminium coils to do aluminium sheets. Um, there are over 400 bakeries in Nigeria that are, you know, using, you know, flour and things like that. You know, when you have this downstream information, right, within the downstream side, that's the live manufacturing side, it allows investors to say, okay, you know what? There's a room here to actually bring the raw material locally. So backward integration is not just lip service. It cannot be done by the existing light manufacturer. So for example, I'm doing light manufacturing, maybe I'm, I'm managing ceramic tiles and things, and you're telling me to backward integrate and start going to go into granite and, and, and get the granite done, but I'm not set up for that. But if you find um, some of the players who try to do that, sometimes maybe those projects are too heavy for them and they end up collapsing in itself. So there needs to be high level of um, um, heavy industry financing along that upstream level by clear initiatives that are going to bridge these gaps. Once you bridge these gaps in terms of the raw material supply, I can tell you, the as, as, as Vola said, the demand is in Nigeria, right? Um, I know for a fact that in the in the paper industry, I know the government wanted to do Iwo Queen paper mill. It never came up. I mean, it never really functioned and things. And there are so many paper cutting, paper processing, or paper uh, drying, you know, using of stationaries, they are, they, are, they are over, I can tell you there are over 20,000 of them in the country, but they're all imported paper, right? There needs to be a financing program that specifically addresses that raw material such that it can flow into the downstream you know, sector. Um, those are the four things. And the, and the last thing I mentioned is, is the data. Um, and data for me is, um, is, is found so many, so many, I mean, customs have data, of people bringing in raw materials. There's data around, you know, what SON is doing. There's data in NAFDAQ. There's data among trade organizations. Um, this data, it doesn't need to be done in such a way that it's being hidden somewhere. It's just open. And, and you can log into that portal. You can find the, the, the depths of, of players in that industry. Um, there might be disclosures or privacy requirements on, on naming them, but at least you'll be able to know that, okay, in Oyo State, we have 10,000 food processors. In Enugu State, we have 800 food processors using this raw material in itself. And however, they are all important. Now, as a, as a player in the industry, I can take an intelligent information and say, okay, you know what? I'm going to use this data and I'm going to go and situate my upstream plants to provide the raw material that is needed by all these other light manufacturers. Thank you so much. And, and that's... That, that's uh, with me for now. Thank you so much, Femi. That was fantastic. Lovely presentation. Thank you. Um, I love your emphasis on data. I mean, um, data helps us to make informed decisions. 
and he helps us to just get our operations right on the right um, track. So thank you so much. So I would like to go back to um, Mr. Afam. Um, do you believe in the narrative that says um, we Nigerians are not good managers of business? Like you hear financial institution being, or you see financial institution being more drawn towards the Lebanese, the Indians, because they believe they run their businesses more thoroughly, uh, more rigorously. They believe in delayed gratification, so to speak. Um, do you think, do you believe in that um, narrative? Do you think it's a, it's a, it's a correct one? Over to you, Mr. Afam. Well, uh, I believe that Nigerians are doing well in terms of um, taking care of their staffs. And um, the Chinese have some advantage over us because uh, they are starting from a good setting. Of most of their staff are well trained and they are professionals based on where they are coming from. We have issues here that you have to get someone and has to go through training. And those trainings are most times trainings of what they are doing physically. And if they have somebody like an expertise as his boss, most of them don't train these people well. They give them orders and uh, no directions. So some people will fall out because of dependent on their, on their own self to do the work. But if a Chinese company are into the same business with you, you find out that the unity among themselves are more. And in most cases, we still need this expertise to help us train our workers. We have some little challenges during COVID in terms of how do we manage our local staff, because all Chinese we have left us and uh, we're unable to operate some of the machines. We try as much as possible to keep running, but it wasn't easy for us. So our output dropped from, from 70% to about 30%. But in, in the end of it, we're able to develop new people. We never know they have the, the capacity to do it. The gratification you mentioned is not something that we cannot say that is a big problem to us, but the highest problem we have is training of our human capital. We need to train our staff. Our staff need to understand this. And that takes me into what has been discussed earlier about us going back to our universities and, and the School of uh, Technologies to see how we can develop young ones coming into this industry to do some work. Some of people we employ today have two years plans to go out of the, uh, out of the, uh, your factory or your produce, production uh, factory within one year or two years. Their aim is to save money and uh, uh, buy keke uh, or kada for their business. So there's no continuity, even when you put all your best to train them. After two years, they have gotten money they, they want they become their own master and they move on. You keep looking for capable hands to run this business. So I think there is more we can do because if we have some people catch them young from the onset, 
like there is no ceramic schools today. You cannot say you have a, a ceramic industry or schools that deal on this. In our factory today, we, we have trained some people, but we can continue with Chinese people who they have all professionals from onset. The formulation sometimes becomes so better. And we depend on them to give us some advice and give us some, uh, some professional technical know-how. So it is a thing that we really need to change this system. The government should help us to put some of these oncoming factories into our curriculum universities so that these people can start coming up and go into the, the job they studied. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Afam. I can relate to you, a true manufacturer. Um, what what I what I have um, seen and what I can add to what she said, it's the issue of training. What we need really is training. I mean, when we started with the Banroot brand and we, we had this vision that we we're not going to have any expatriate on our floor, that what we're going to do was get the expatriates to train our guys, train our workers, keep training them. If it means that we have to take some of them out of the country to get the training, bring them back. And I relate to what you say perfectly. Some of them just come in and after two, three years, they want to get out. They want to just go out, work ethics, the mindset. We don't have that longevity and um, continuity mindset in the working, in the workforce in, in, um, in Nigeria. So I don't know if it's something that NESG can also put under their rules to kind of form maybe like a school. I don't know, maybe something that will help the young minds, train them to see, you know, to see growth to see maybe like a career path in actually working in manufacturing industries. If we can have an organization, maybe like NESG or some other organization train um, young people, maybe even incorporate it into the NYSC, um, one year NYSC um, um, operation that we do in Nigeria, where we train our, our graduates to know that, you know what, these are places where you could actually build a career. These are industries where you can actually build um, a, um, a name for yourself, so to speak. So I, I totally agree with you. Training is of the essence. Um, we, we get better with training. Some of us were very rough when we started. We didn't know much. But again, we find out that even the Chinese and the Lebanese and the Indians that we're seeing as specialists, some of them don't have the four walls of education, of formal education. They don't have the four walls. I've, I've, I've seen a lot of them. I relate to a lot of them. And I realized that most of their guys don't even have the, uh, the, the, the formal education. So I believe so much in training, 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 training. So for the entrepreneurs, um, our participants who are entrepreneurs here, that's one thing you should take along with you. Um, invest in training your workers, invest in training your, your people. Your people are your greatest asset in any organization. And they're the ones that actually make you make sense at the end of the day in the market. So for Mr. Kange, um, like I said, I was going to come back to you on the interest rate. So I hear it a lot and we are also, and all of us can testify to the fact that Bank of Industry is always singing the praises of the single digit interest rate. But by the time we're done um, accessing the loans, by the time we're done paying management fee, legal fee and all of that, what is single digit becomes double digits. So what can you do? Um, what, how can you help the manufacturer in this way, making it single digit? If you say 9%, let it all be inclusive, 9%. Um, we have a question here also for BOI. It will be important to know the sustainability strategy for your bank in terms of 
the performance of the companies you fund and how effective they are with respect to repayments, particularly with COVID-19 challenges. Over to you, Mr. Kange. Okay, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Adebola, for those uh, questions. Um, let me take uh, the issue of the interest rates. Uh, that's the first one that you asked. Now, Bank of Industry, we are not a profit, uh, we're not measured based on the profits that we make. We're measured based on the impact. For instance, how many jobs did you help to create or save? Uh, how many uh, how many customers that you supported are sourcing their raw materials locally? Uh, how can we sell foreign exchange for the federal government and those kinds of measures? That is how we are measured. So in that respect, the bank does not seek to charge high interest rates in order to make a profit or anything like that. Our interest rates are based on our source of funding. As I mentioned earlier, we have different sources of funding. Some are from the federal government, uh, the Central Bank of Nigeria, the Federal Ministry of Finance, through our supervisory ministry, the Federal Ministry of Industry, Trade and Investment. They have been very supportive in that. The Honorable Minister has been very supportive in in, in, in ensuring that we get what, what is required. Now, that funding comes at a particular pricing. For instance, the central bank uh, uh, funds come at 9%, all in, no fees, nothing. With COVID-19, the federal government implemented a lot of initiatives. The Honorable Minister went through all that was done in order to support uh, industry and uh, SMEs, etc. So I won't go through all of that. But one of the things that was done is to reduce interest rates on those loans from 9% to 5%. So, and that is all in. And that is what is happening right now as we speak. Those loans are going at 5% all in for one year. And then thereafter, Depending on how it happens, it might, it might revert to 9%. Uh, we started last between last year and uh, um, April last year and uh, March this year, it was at 5%. And then the central bank rolled it over again for another 12 months. You know, so that is available right there. You know, then the other part is the funding that the bank raised internationally. It has its own costs as well. First, you have the cost of the funding in, uh, let's say, the dollar at uh, prime uh, LIBOR plus uh, 6%. Then once the money comes in, the money is swapped into Naira because most of our customers do their business in Naira. They don't end foreign exchange. There are a few that end foreign exchange in the oil and gas sector, etc. But uh, most of them do their business in Naira, so it has to be it's swapped. It's swapped into into Naira. That has a cost as well, and that builds up. So by the time you factor in all of these costs, you're looking at a pricing of 
9%, but there is a fee of uh, maybe 1% and then a, an appraisal fee of another 1%, which takes it to maybe 10, 11, thereabouts, you know. But you will agree, these, these are not, uh, these are just barely able to cover the cost of those funds. But we're happy to deploy the money. In fact, even now, as we speak, due to the uh, challenges of COVID-19, the bank has reduced its interest rates from 10% to 8%. So our interest rates are going at 8% right now, as we speak, just to show you the level of support that the bank is uh, pro providing through the support of uh, all our stakeholders. You know, so that is why, so when you say that the interest rate digits, the double, uh, single digits, et cetera, we are doing it, it's available. Uh, the other aspect of how we are able to deliver this is also working with um, the, the, the sub-nationals, like the state governments, for instance. We work with about 22 state governments and we do what is called a matching fund where we say to them, you bring 50% of the funds, BOI will bring 50% of the funds, and then we'll now match it. In most cases, the governors will say, we don't want any interest rate on our funds. BOI interest rates, sometimes 9%, sometimes 10%. If you now put the two together, the interest rate for that loan is available at 5%. And that is available for on lending to qualifying SMEs and uh, businesses within that state. So that is how we're able to deliver all of this, you know, working, matching funds, working with partners, etc. So that is how come we are able to do it in, in, in that way. Now, the second uh, question, which is, uh, what is the sustainability? How are the com companies that we support, uh, how are they performing, etc.? The performance has been very, very good. I will give you um, our, for instance, our non-performing loan ratio for 2019 was less than 5%. This is much better than the rest of the banking industry. Even as at 2020, um, our, our, our non-performing loan ratio has actually reduced. So the performance is very good. There's a reason why that is happening. We, are look, we look at it from several angles. When we provide funding to an industry or a company, we don't just provide funding to the company, we provide funding to the entire value chain. So we say to the company, who are your input sup suppliers? Most of them are MSMEs and etc. Bring them to us. We will fund them at even better terms than you are getting. Who are your output uh, off takers, your distributors, etc.? Bring them to us. We will fund. We will fund them as well. So that way, you have a situation where, as the company is growing. The suppliers are also growing because they are also enjoying the, the level of funding that the bank is providing, sometimes at better rates. The, out, the, the uh, distributors who are the off-takers are also, so that generates demand 
and all of that. And that also helps to de-risk the lending, particularly at the SME level. Because when an SME is tied into the value chain, then you have a less risk of default. And those are some of the ways that the bank is able to provide uh, 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 funding and be able to post the kind of uh, uh, non-performing loan ratio that we post as, as we speak. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Kange. Like I said earlier on, I'm also a beneficiary of Bank of Industry. Bank of Industry has helped my business grow. And so like we've all heard from our panelists and um, discussions on areas of concern that requires deliberate implementation and also the political will to better make room for manufacturers to not only stay in business, but to be competitive and profitable as well. Um, it's not enough to have a manufacturing plan, but all stakeholders must be carried along, be more, um, more than willing to put in what is required to strengthen the sector and for once for us to see efforts actually translate. So I want to say a big thank you to all our panelists today. Thank you for coming. Thank you for sharing and um, having a wonderful discussion with you, um, with all of us today. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to our content today. Remember to subscribe to the NESG Radio. Follow us across all social media channels and visit our website www.nesgroup.org forward slash NESG Radio. NESG in the national interest. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.